0: Hey, this is Dr. Patty Sadala. Welcome to my Experience Jesus podcast. In this how-to and issues episode, we will look at how to overcome life's challenges and how to learn the lessons you need to learn through them and find forgiveness that will set you free from bondages. I will reference several film clips in this episode that will all be linked on the information page for this episode on pattyej.podbean.com. I highly recommend that if you are able, when you get to a part where a film clip is referenced, you pause and watch the clip. You will definitely be blessed if you do. These inspirational stories and film clips are all featured in my award-winning Clips That Move Mountains book. Life is going to be tough. That's a promise. It's really what you do with that that counts. Marcia was a volunteer in my department when I worked at the Parmadale Training Institute in the 1990s. She was an insulin-dependent diabetic since the age of six, and unfortunately followed in her family's footsteps by becoming an alcoholic from a very early age. Alcohol and diabetes is a very dangerous combination. Marcia and I had many conversations about God, and we grew very close. I will never forget the story of her salvation. Marcia had been drinking heavily that night and went into a diabetic coma that killed her She was dead for about eight minutes before the paramedics were able to revive her. During that time, she had a visit to hell. Marcia had always resisted organized religion and was angry at God for making her diabetic and for her dysfunctional family that kept her perpetually overwhelmed and angry. She described hell as a dark, cold, and lonely place where she was haunted by her regrets. She never saw the light, and she never saw God, but she heard him speaking to her, asking her if this was the internal destination she desired. She was overcome with shame and regret, and promised that if she were able to get a second chance, she would turn her life around. The paddles jolted Marcia back to life, and she had that chance. She asked Christ into her heart as soon as she was conscious. Even though her health issues had her on disability by the time she was in her early 30s, Marcia kept her promise to turn to God and turn her life around. She served the Lord in volunteer positions with joy and humility. Marcia died for the second time a few years later. This was also temporary. This time she was able to get a glimpse of heaven and had a face-to-face conversation with God. She recalled the immeasurable love she felt from God and the beauty and the peace of heaven. It was a very different experience from her first death. She did not want to leave heaven, but once again, she found herself returned back into her even more feeble body. She was not sure why God brought her back that time, but she never had a fear of death after that visit to heaven. Marcia's life got a lot tougher after her second resurrection, I remember her saying, One day you will hear that I'm dead for good this time, and when that happens, I want you to promise me that you will dance a jig on my grave. She knew that in death, she would be more alive and with no pain and suffering for eternity. And that was jig-worthy. Marcia's health deteriorated, and she no longer was able to volunteer. I also left that job, but Marcia and I kept in touch from time to time. I visited her in the hospital after her leg amputation, caused by diabetes. She had so much joy that day laying in the hospital. She wasn't bitter or angry. She had Jesus and that was enough. Marcia had learned to live with an eternal perspective. She was content, regardless of her circumstances, because she was focused on the next life. I learned an important lesson from Marcia about the value of having an eternal perspective. I remember her saying without a hint of sarcasm that day, God must really love me. It struck me as such an odd comment considering her circumstance, so I asked her what she meant by it, and she said, God must love me to give me so much challenge and pain in my life and to rescue me from certain hell, because I will earn a crown of life and have some pretty sweet accommodations in heaven. And since heaven is forever, I think I'll have made out big time in the end. James 1 12 says, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to all those who love him. The crown of life is a special reward earned for those who persevere under trials. I had never really understood anything about the crowns before she mentioned that. So let's bunny trail for a moment to get a little bit of a better idea of what Marcia was talking about. I asked Jesus to explain the crowns to me one day, and he said, People need to remember that in eternity's timeline, your time on earth is but a single breath. This is not the ultimate world. You are citizens of heaven. Sometimes a person's work is complete, and I bring them home for their reward. The death of a faithful one is not a loss. To die in their case is gain because their faithfulness has earned them a crown of life in heaven. The crown of life is also known as the martyr's crown. This is for those who patiently endure trials, testing, and temptations. They are faithful even unto death. They do not need to be killed by persecution to earn this crown. Revelations 2.10 says, Fear nothing that you are about to suffer. Dismiss your dread and your fears. Behold, the devil is indeed about to throw some of you into prison, and that you may be tested and proved and critically appraised, And for ten days you will have affliction. Be loyally faithful unto death, even if you must die for it, and I will give you the crown of life. The crowns will be much better understood when you get to heaven. They are eternal benefits and more valuable than you can ever know. There are other crowns, and the one that more often coincides with the crown of life is the victor's crown, or the crown of righteousness. This crown is reserved for people who live lives of holiness. Their Christ-like service to people for God was met with selfless motives. They live a life of partnership and were prepared as the bride. Near the end of Paul's life, he shares in Timothy 4, 7, and 8, I have fought the good, worthy, honorable, and noble fight, and I have finished the race. I have kept and firmly held the faith. As to what remains henceforth, there is laid up for me the victor's crown of righteousness, For being right with God and doing right, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me and recompense me on the great day. And not only me, but all those of you who have loved and yearned for and welcomed his appearing, his return. As the Lord was giving me the above message, these were the scriptures at the bottom of the page where the journal conversation was recorded. Exodus 15.2 The Lord is my strength and my song. He has given me victory. This is my God, and I will praise him. 2 Thessalonians 3.16 Now may the Lord of peace himself grant you his peace at all times and in every way, that peace and spiritual well-being that comes to those who walk with him, regardless of life's circumstances. The Lord be with you all. One of my biggest regrets in life was the day that I felt the Holy Spirit prompt me to call Marcia, and I didn't do it. It was before I had a cell phone, and I was in the car when I got the prompting. When I got home and busy, I completely forgot to call her. It was a few days later I got a call from Marcia's sister saying that she had died. Her sister said that Marcia wanted to say goodbye to me that day that I was prompted to call her because she knew she was dying. Her sister only knew my first name, and it took her a while for her to find my number. It brought tears to my eyes at this moment as I remember the sadness I felt for missing that opportunity. Even though I felt silly, I kept my promise to dance a jig on her grave, and I felt her laughing with joy in heaven. Marcia learned the lesson that all of us need to learn. This life is a snap of your finger compared to eternity. We all have lessons to learn from our trials, and if we pass those tests and learn to lean on Jesus and represent him well— we will have eternal rewards one hundredfold better than anything we endured in this short life. Here's the proof of that truth from Zephaniah three nineteen and twenty. At that time, I will deal with all who oppressed you. I will rescue the lame, I will gather the exiles, I will give them praise and honor in every land where they have suffered shame. And at that time, I will gather you, and at that time, I will bring you home. I will give you honor and praise among all the people of the earth when I restore your fortunes before your very eyes, says the Lord. Jesus promised that we will be repaid for all of our sacrifices 100-fold in these verses from Mark 10. Truly I tell you, Jesus replied, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age, homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and fields, along with persecutions, along with persecutions, and the age to come eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last first. Marcia knew that the time spent on earth was like a single grain of sand on all the beaches of the earth compared to the forever of eternity. So whatever you endure on earth will be quickly forgotten in heaven if you accept Jesus' free gift. You too can have some eternally sweet accommodations. I have included two film clips from the movie Unconditional. Of all the films featured in Clips That Move Mountains, this film is my favorite, and not just mine, but even the people who've read the Clips That Move Mountains book when I was doing Bible studies based on it were all uh, requesting this film for our movie night celebration after our class. The first clip that's attached below is the trailer to the movie that does a nice job of summarizing the whole story of the movie. The movie is based on the true life of Joe Bradford and the fictional life of Sam and Billy Crawford. Joe Bradford found Jesus in prison after spending some time in solitary confinement. After his release, Joe moved back to the projects on a mission to help the fatherless children in inner city Nashville, Tennessee. He became known as Papa Joe to the kids, caring for them as a loving father figure. When his childhood best friend Sam and he reconnected, Joe was dying of kidney failure and Sam was grieving over the murder of her husband Billy. Sam's husband Billy was a godly man who showed the love of Christ by reaching out to strangers with love and $2 bills. The bills were his symbol of love. Sam explained that there were millions of them in print but they are hardly ever seen. People hide them away or hoard them. Billy's philosophy was that there's enough love to go around. You just gotta share it. Along with random acts of kindness, Billy passed the two dollar bills onto people everywhere he went. Sam was overcome with grief and obsessed about finding her husband's killer and exacting her revenge. She thought she knew who her husband's killer was. Anthony, a man from Papa Joe's neighborhood. Sam was prepared to kill him until she learned the truth about her husband's death from Anthony. Billy had reached out to Anthony that fateful night and shared the love of Christ. When Billy's car wouldn't start, Anthony fixed it for him. When Anthony walked away and turned the corner, he heard a shot and ran back to Billy. Billy knew that he would not survive. So he handed Anthony a picture Sam had drawn of the Firebird with a $2 bill on the back and told him to promise to tell her to finish the book and always walk on the clouds. Then Billy died in Anthony's arms. Anthony knew that he would be suspected of the killing, so he ran. But he was never the same. That conversation changed his heart and his life. The second film clip powerfully features what happens to Sam when she finds forgiveness and overcomes this horrible grief that had taken her hostage. Before Billy's death, Sam was writing a book called The Firebird, a children's book, which holds the key message of this film. Sam writes of a small Oriole bird named Firebird who asks her mother why God gives storms the power to take the sun away. The mother bird tells the little bird that someday, when you take a walk on the clouds, you will see for yourself and learn the truth about the sun. When the bird was just learning how to fly, there was a mighty storm, and his mother encouraged him to see for himself. He flew higher and higher with lightning, thunder, howling winds, and he thought the storm would break him apart. Just when he was about to lose all strength, he broke through the clouds, and there it was. The sun was shining more beautiful than ever. At that moment, it became clear that no storm can take the sun away. The sun is always shining. It was a consistent reminder of his mother's love. You just need to take a walk on the clouds. No one can take the Son of God away either. Jesus talks about this in John ten twenty nine. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. And God's promise is confirmed in 1 Corinthians ten thirteen. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you to be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. God allows challenges in our lives for a reason. It may take a lifetime for you to understand what he's up to when you go through trials of life. You may not even understand until you get to heaven. I love what Papa Joe said about that. It's not a dead end if it takes you somewhere you needed to go. The secret is to learn the lessons in each and every trial of life by leaning on and trusting God to get you through them. Only then can you continue to grow and help others. Papa Joe Bradford survived his kidney transplant and is still serving kids in Nashville and around the country with his wife, Denise. Thousands of kids have been loved and mentored by them through their ministry, Elijah's Heart. The children in this film were all from Papa Joe's program. They are not professional actors. Learn more about them and their amazing ministry at papajo.org. The link for that is below. Let's take some time here to talk about how to get to forgiveness. We all have legitimate reasons to be angry. The truth is, you can't get through life without people hurting you. In the film, October Baby... Hannah learns that she's adopted and that her lifelong health issues are caused by her premature birth due to a failed abortion. Check out this movie clip where a priest helps her understand how to get over anger and resentment. You can find that clip on the patty.ej.podbean.com site on this episode page. In an earlier scene of the movie, Hannah visits her biological mother at her office The woman was stunned to see her. At first, the birth mother seemed like she was interested in talking, until her husband walked into the office to take her to lunch. She got flustered and when her husband asked who Hannah was, she answered, nobody, and told her that she had to go. The heartbreak from this second rejection was palpable. Hannah had gone on a trip to make sense of this new truth that she was a survivor of failed abortion and that her twin brother had died shortly after her parents adopted them. Can you relate to Hannah's anger toward her parents for keeping that secret from her? How about the pain of knowing that your birth mother really didn't want you? The priest in this clip refers to Colossians 3.13. Be gentle and forbearing with one another, and if one has a difference or a grievance or complaint against another, readily pardon each other, even as the Lord has freely forgiven you so you must forgive. There were so many wonderful biblical nuggets in this chapel scene. There were four words the priest said that were critical in that scene. Power, choice, burden, and free. He said that because we have been forgiven by God, we have the power to forgive others. The Holy Spirit gives you the power to forgive. It's not something you can do on your own strength. So many times we try to let go in our own But there's a nagging voice in our hearts and our heads that keeps us from forgetting the hurts and we just can't let it go. It's only when we pray for God to take it away that the Holy Spirit does a work in our hearts and lets it go. I love how the priest talks about anger and resentment as a burden you no longer need to carry. A burden is something that weighs you down. It's a heavy load, an emotional stress that oppresses you like carrying a massive thing around all the time. It's exhausting. Forgiveness is a choice. You have to decide in your heart that you're ready to forgive. God won't do it for you or without your cooperation. You have to choose to let hurts go. You can choose to drop off that burden. And when you do, God is ready to take it from you. It's also important to remember that people don't need to deserve to be forgiven. You did not deserve to be forgiven when Jesus forgave you. Forgiving someone is more for you than it is for the person that you're releasing. The priest in the clip quoted John 8, 36. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Do you know what it's like to be released from something? I mean, really released from it, where that memory or place or person can't hurt you anymore. You still remember, but you don't have the pain of it anymore. It's a feeling that I have only known through the power of the Holy Spirit. When Hannah gave that note to her biological mother, it was finished. She didn't know, or even need to know, what her biological mom's reaction was. God healed her the moment that note was left on the desk. I love the smile on her face at the end of that film clip. You can just see the release of that burden on her face. October Baby was not based on an actual true story. It was intended to speak to the phenomenon of survivors of abortion and forgiveness. But in the special features of the DVD, Sherry Rigby, the actress that played Hannah's birth mother, shared that her life had paralleled the character she was portraying. She, too, was a young professional working in a law firm when she became pregnant. She had an abortion and had always regretted her decision. Sherry shared that when they filmed that scene depicted in this clip... She was not acting. We are witnessing her real emotional release of the pain of her own decision made so many years ago. She shared that she and God did a mighty work together that filming day, and she really was released from her own personal burden. God is so good. How do you set the captive free? Right about now, I bet you're asking, Patty, it's great that all these people have been able to overcome challenges and find forgiveness, but. How do I do that? I prayed about this for a really long time, and I want to tell you a true story of how I was able to overcome past hurts and find forgiveness. Then God gave me the idea to tell my story and allow you to tell your own at the same time. This may seem a little weird, but as I speak this story, fill in the parts of your own life that relate to this. I've included this story as a fill-in-the-blank form at the bottom of the pattyej.podbean.com site for this episode so that you can print it off and really meditate on it and see if you can help the Lord show you your own journey to forgiveness through it. There was this man-woman couple that disappointed, hurt, abused, neglected me once, consistently, repeatedly over time. This memory or behavior seemed to have a cumulative effect on me. Each offense or memory of offense would reinforce my pain. It would open a raw wound in me. I resented, disliked, hated this person and just couldn't let it go. I prayed to God over and over for him to make this issue change, but to no avail. This offensive behavior was so consistent that I began to wonder why I ever expected a different behavior. This was normal behavior for these people. Then one day... I prayed a new prayer. I wanted to understand them, so I prayed that God would help me see things from their perspective and from His perspective. I wanted to know what made them behave that way. I also prayed that God would help me see their heart from His eyes. God showed me a glimpse of the future consequences that those behavior, decisions, and attitudes would have on their future. I was able to see many years into the future And I saw a sad, lonely, isolated, or sick person couple that was living out of the consequences of the decisions of those damaging past choices. I suddenly felt compassion for them that I didn't know was there. I felt my own heart shift from less anger to more compassion and love for them. I felt sorry for them. Sorry for the choices that caused them to miss things in life, sorry that they would wind up living or dying and suffering the full measure of those consequences for their behavior. This glimpse softened my heart and caused me to pray new prayers for them. I started to pray blessings instead of curses for them. I prayed for healing, salvation, strong relationship with God, forgiveness, prosperity, reconciliation, restored loving relationships, freedom from strongholds, fruitful impact, and other things. I noticed a change in me first. The mention of that name once made me recoil now prompted me to say a prayer of blessing for them. The oddest thing happened next. I noticed a change in them. I hadn't really expected a new behavior from them, so this change was an unexpected surprise. It wasn't earth-shattering at first, but something was there, something softer, There was more respect, more responsibility, more consideration, less hostility, less inappropriate behavior. I also began to see positive changes in our relationship. God changed us, and it started with a new prayer. My story is still a work in progress, and I wish I could say that things are perfect, but nobody's perfect. When God softens a heart, he performs a miracle of release that frees the captive, the person that needs to be forgiven, and hopefully you. You may not live to see the change in the person that offended you. In fact, that person may not even still be alive, but God will work healing in your own heart if you ask him to. Let's summarize what it takes to set a captive free. First, we need to ask God to give us a new prayer. Prayer is a mechanism for the Holy Spirit to do his thing. If you want someone to change, the first someone that has to change is you. Ask God to help you understand the situation or circumstance from his perspective and what you're supposed to learn from it. Ask God to show you the new prayer that will work to resolve the situation. Praying blessings instead of curses is the key to resolution. Pray as though God has already solved the problem. This is not the only way or the only prayer that will move you forward toward forgiveness. Ask God to show you the right prayer for your circumstance. Paul prayed a fantastic prayer in Ephesians 3:14. For this reason I kneel before the Father, for whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how high and wide and long and deep is the love of Christ, and to know that this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Pray that kind of prayer for the person that came to mind in the story and see what happens. Don't expect them to change. God wants us to be about you and him first and foremost. Expect a greater feeling of peace about the situation in your own heart. God may very well change them too, like in my story. That would be a double blessing. What if the one you need to forgive is you? We are all sinners. Not one person other than Jesus himself has gotten through this life without sin. Romans 3.23 says, For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. That's actually the reason that it was necessary for Jesus to come and die for us in the first place. The first step is to agree with God that you have sinned. Confession is the act of agreeing with God about your sins. It is the key to unlocking God's mercy. Proverbs 28.13 says, People who conceal their sins will not prosper, but if they confess and turn from them, they will receive mercy. If there is something in your life that you know is hurting others or yourself, you can find freedom from it, just like the actress that played the birth mother on October Baby did. What happens when we confess our sins to God? 1 John 1, 7-9 says, But if we are living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other, and the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. If we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to Him, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. God knows everything about you, and he still loves you. His heart's desire is to free you from your bondages and from sin's entanglements. He promises victory over sin in 1 Corinthians 15, 57. But thank God he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 8, 1 says, So there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. God doesn't expect you to be good enough to come to him. No one is good enough on their own. That's why Jesus came to the earth in the first place. Whatever you have done, God has already forgiven you for. The secret to forgiving yourself is the same secret as what it takes to forgive others. Pray a new prayer. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. If you have asked God to forgive you for your sins over and over and still feel guilty, You don't believe God's promises are true. Don't let Satan trick you into believing that lie. Failing to believe God for who he says he is and who he says you are is the fast track to bondage. Micah 7.19 says, You will again have compassion on us. You will tread our sins underfoot and hurl all our iniquities into the depths of the sea. God has said it. You need to believe it. The new prayer that you may need to pray is one that will increase your faith to believe God that he has forgiven you. Ask God to show you how he sees you. Ask God to release you from the guilt and the shame. Pray for the Holy Spirit to give you the power to stay on track. God is faithful. If you have offended someone, God wants you to make it right. Jesus welcomes Zacchaeus, the chief tax collector, to repent of his sin of overcharging the citizens and lining his own pockets. Let's see what his response was after being convicted in his heart. Luke 19.8 says, But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anyone out of anything, I will pay it back four times the amount. What was Jesus' reaction to this repentance? Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man, too, is a son of Abraham, for the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Zacchaeus agreed with Jesus that overcharging was a sin, and he made a commitment to make it right. He found forgiveness. Jesus, the Son of Man, came for people like Zacchaeus, and for me and you. God will show you what he wants you to do if you need to ask someone for forgiveness. Remember, you won't have to do it in your own power. The Holy Spirit will come alongside you and set that captive free, even if the captive is you. What if the one you need to forgive is God? Are you mad at God? Losing a child or a parent to a drunk driver or a murderer is hard to understand. Maybe you're living with sickness or are mad that God created you with disabilities. Maybe you're mad that God hasn't answered your prayers for healing. God doesn't want tragic things to happen to us, but he does allow them. God is sovereign. Romans 8:28 says, And we know that in all things God works for good for those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. You may be mad at God and not even realize it. You may be mad at God, but your theology tells you that's wrong, so you push the feeling way away and hide it in a box in the basement of your heart. But the Lord knows it's there. There's always a lesson in every life for trial and challenge. Marsha learned that no matter what you must endure in life, God has a blessing in it for you. God has your best in mind even when it seems like your life is totally out of control. It is all about changing your prayers. When you're mad at God, it's important to go to the Word and see what God has promised for you. Romans 8, 35-37 says, Can anyone ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean He no longer loves us when we have calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened to death? No. Despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. If you've accepted Christ as your Savior, God is tethered to you, and he will always be there. Psalm thirty-four eighteen says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. God knows you're hurting, and he wants to comfort you. And we know that God causes everything to work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purposes. Romans 8, 28. God can turn anything around for good. Cling to those promises. Ask God to show you what you're supposed to learn from them. Praise him regardless of the circumstances. I'll never forget a funeral I attended for Jeff a 12-year-old classmate of my daughter. Even though this child was a great swimmer, he had a heart attack at the community pool and tragically died. His aunt had died the same way at the same age. Through his death, it was learned that there was a hereditary heart condition running through the family. Jeff's death raised the awareness of that condition in the family, and his death may have saved a sibling's life. I walked into that funeral home. The first thing... I noticed was Jeff's mom comforting Jeff's best friend. She was praying with him and encouraging him. I was so amazed by her loving response. How could she have so much overflow that she could minister to others? Most people would be so mad at God for taking their firstborn son and Jeff's parents may have had some of those feelings, but by the time I saw them they had enough comfort for the Holy Spirit that they were able to share it with others A ministry was born out of their tragedy, and now they lead a ministry comforting families in times of grief. God wants you to need Him and let Him take care of things for you. Let Him. There is a blessing around the corner in every difficult and challenging circumstance if you look for it. God has already seen the whole picture. He knows every turn your life will take. Remember, it's not a dead end if it takes you somewhere you needed to go. So when life throws you a major curveball, trust that God does have your best interest in mind and lean into his capable arms. God loves you and wants your best. He allows difficult and unpleasant challenges to come into our lives so that we may learn to let him show us the way to freedom and blessings. Sometimes he uses the worst experiences in our life to bring us to our special callings so we can help others. Marcia focused on heaven and her eternal rewards, and that change of focus helped her cope with the challenges and circumstances she had to live with daily. Sam and Hannah from our movie stories found a release in the power of forgiveness, and Hannah's birth mother found that forgiving herself can lead to a release and power that she didn't even know was there. We learned that the secret of forgiving others, ourselves, and God is to be honest with ourselves and change our prayers by asking God to do a work in our own hearts first. My prayer for you is that you will find the power and the release that comes with forgiveness and that God will use that to help you better fulfill the perfect plans he has for you and give you an eternal focus that will allow you to reap eternal rewards. In today's encounter, we will ask the Lord to put his finger on an issue in our lives that he wants us to overcome or find forgiveness. If this is your first podcast experience with us, you may want to go back to the trailer episode and learn about the biblical foundation for dialogue journaling, our process for experiencing Jesus. This leads you through the first special place encounter with Jesus as a child. This is a starting point for all of our experiences with Jesus. For best results, it is always good to properly posture your heart for your experience by welcoming Jesus's presence with praise and thanksgiving, and playing with him in the special place as a child for a few minutes before asking for anything from him. After properly posturing your heart, meet Jesus in your special place as a child and play with him for a few minutes. Make sure you are stretching yourself to see, hear, and feel more in this place each time you're there. Then allow the Lord to show you an issue or put a person on your heart for which he wants you to find forgiveness or overcome a challenge. Allow Jesus to give you a glimpse of what it would be like for that issue or relationship to be resolved. Look into that future. Allow him to change your perspective and show you something from his perspective to help you understand his heart for the circumstance and allow His perspective to help you let go or find forgiveness. Do whatever God directs you to do to understand things from His perspective and release things in your heart. If there is a direct action that He's commanding you to take, purpose in your heart to take that step. Then pray a prayer of forgiveness with God and allow Him to take the issue away and throw it into the sea of forgetfulness. Then thank Him for this wonderful heart surgery and praise him for the release of this burden in your life. Take all the time you need with Jesus, and then make sure you record the entire experience in your journal. It is an amazing thing to feel the release of the burden of unforgiveness in your heart. I hope you had a wonderful experience with the Lord and were able to experience the release of that burden yourself. It would really encourage and bless people for you to share your adventures with Jesus in the comments below.